praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth. I want to thank all of you who have supported us and continue to support us financially with your donations so we can produce uh, these uh, podcast teachings to bless many, many others. I am thanking you uh, from the bottom of my heart, and I know that the Lord is blessing you back. And if you have not yet uh, blessed us with a financial donation, please consider doing so, so that we can pay for studio time to produce more teachings and uh, reach many, many more people. Uh, to donate into this podcast ministry is really simple. We have a safe and secure website. Here is the address for your donation. Uh, the address is drruthtani.org slash donate. Again, drruthtani.org slash donate. And if you live here in the USA, you can use Zelle. And here is a Zelle telephone number where you can send in your donations. It is 909-501-9031. Again, 909-501-9031. We also receive donations through Cash App. Here is the cash app address, is the dollar sign, Dr. Ruth Tanyi. Again, the dollar sign, Dr. Ruth Tanyi. And from the bottom of our hearts, here at the ministry, we say thank you for your donations. And we are trusting God will bless you back, even as you join hands with God and our ministry to advance his work. Again, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let us proceed to chapter 14 as we learn more about the effect of the bad report that the spies brought to uh, Aaron and Moses and the entire community of Israelites. So the gist of this chapter is that the Israelites would get into full-blown rebellion against the Lord against Moses and against Aaron about the bad report. And then we uh, would learn how the Lord would um, say a final judgment against the spy and against the Israelite community for not trusting him. Let's take a closer look at some verses here. I am in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Verse 2. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. You see, let's pause there before I even go into verse 3. If you have been listening to this podcast in context, meaning that if you have listened to the book of Genesis, remember, I spent quite some time teaching about the power of words. Be careful what you say. Here we see the Israelites verbalizing that if they had only died okay, in Egypt, they would not have to deal with these uh Giants, they will not have to deal with these people in the promised land because they had listened to this bad report and now this bad report 
is having a negative effect on them, and now they are verbalizing that they would have been better off dead in Egypt. What they are saying here will really come to bite them. Okay? They're going to get exactly what they are saying. So now we are in verse 3. Why is their Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back in uh, go back to Egypt, verse 4. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is really um, horrible because these spies have spread this bad report and now we see the community, uh, over a million people rebelling against Moses and now they want to find their own leader and go back to Egypt and lick their vomit. They would not even listen to Caleb. They have believed the wrong report. And based on that wrong report, they are making a decision to go back and lick their vomit. Boy, we have to be very careful how we make decisions. Before we make decisions, no matter what someone tells us, we have to take what people are telling us, compare that in light of God's word, Take it and go to the scriptures and search the scriptures for yourself to make sure that what this person is telling you is really the truth before you make decisions. Because here we see Caleb telling these people that, no, we can do this, but they have already made up their minds that they are better off finding a new leader, going back to Egypt. So we have to be careful because this decision will kill them. Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole community. Now, <laughs> Aaron and Moses are really defeated. They are really struggling now. Verse 6, Joshua, son of Nun and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite community. Now, we see Joshua and Caleb now walking together, they tore their clothes as a sign of mourning to say that, no, don't do this. Don't, don't reject the Lord. So they are just frustrated. Remember, they are the minority. So Caleb and Joshua said, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Again, we see Caleb and Joshua speaking forth. The truth, speaking forth their faith, okay? Again, power in the words. We hear them saying that the land is exceedingly good. They are trying to regenerate some positive standing in faith. Trusting God in spite of the riot. Trusting God in spite of the fact that the majority are rebelling against God. What an example for all of us. Caleb and Joshua did not coward. They did not fear. They stood by the truth. They, they, they spoke what they saw. They spoke their faith. They, they exuded confidence in spite of the riot. We should learn and do likewise because that impresses God and that is what will leash out God's blessings in our lives. Verse 8. 
If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and we will give it to us. And will give it to us rather. So we see Caleb and Joshua saying that if the Lord is pleased with us, this is a prosperous land. Let's just go and do this. God will give it to us. Again, speaking forth their faith. And I have been saying throughout this podcast. You can believe in your heart all you want, but faith must accompany actions. You have to speak out your faith and you have to act in accordance with what you believe because faith without corresponding actions is dead. We talked about that out of the book of James. We know that. And this is true Bible faith because Bible faith is really only receiving the promises that God has already laid down in his word. So we see Caleb and Joshua speaking out their faith because God had already told them that it's a prosperous land. So Caleb and Joshua are only reiterating what the Lord had said. This is a prosperous land. Let's go get it. Okay. Only, I am now in verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Powerful. Again, we see two strong men trying to instill hope to the rest of the Israelites, speaking out their faith. We see them verbalizing faith and trust in God that we will do this. God is with us. This is nothing for God. Let's just do it. I mean, this is exactly what we should do when we are facing an insurmountable task. Whatever it is that we are dealing with today, if it's financial, if it's a disease in our body, we have to stand up in faith and speak out those promises that God has laid out in his word, believing that God is with us and then we will overcome. Because really, we have already in Christ. So we see how these two men were brave, courageous men, speaking out their faith and trusting God. Verse 10, in spite of all of that, the whole community talked about stoning them. <laughs> so the Israelite community, they weren't going to hear it. They were already defeated. Much like some of you today. You have been deceived by the enemy. You have believed bad reports from the doctor, from friends, from the news media. And then somebody is coming to speak truth from God's word to you. You don't want to listen. You don't want to listen. Friend, I recommend you pause. God's report is the final authority. God's truths as and case in the Bible are the only truths there is. You see, we have two types of truths. We have the truth from God, which is the absolute truth with a capital T. And then we have the truth from everywhere else, from the media, from the doctor, from every other person. The truth in the word of God is the final truth. So if you are dealing with something today, no matter what somebody has told you, 
no matter how bad the report is, friend, open your heart. Listen to the truths from the word of God, because that is the only truth that can set you free. But as we are about to find out, this Israelite had given up. They were not even willing to listen to the truth from Caleb and Joshua, who were actually there to spy the land. So they were not just speaking truths from God's promises to them. They were speaking truths because they were present as spies. You see what fear does? It, 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 uh, it shrinks you to nothing. It cripples you. So please be opened. Okay, so moving on to um, verse 10. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. Verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Horrible. So we see the Lord saying that the Israelites are treating him with, with contempt because they are not exhibiting faith in him trust in him, confidence in him. So when you are not exhibiting faith in God, trust in his word, then you are treating the Lord with contempt. So stop it, repent, and believe God's report. Okay. How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? Just exactly what I was saying. Verse 12, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. So the Lord had had it. And he said he was going to strike all of them dead and actually just start this whole thing with Moses. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ah, yeah, yeah. Verse 13 uh, all the way to verse uh, 16, we will learn how Moses will, will really plead, intercede for these people so that the Lord would not strike them dead. Uh, verse 13, Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. Moses is re referring to the Lord's statement that he would strike them dead. And Moses is saying that if you do that, the Egyptians will hear about this. Then the Egyptians will hear about it by your power. You brought these people up from among them. Verse 14. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. Uh, they have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people. And that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Verse 14, if you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, verse 16, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Powerful prayer of intercession. You see, what Moses is doing here is powerful. And even in my own life, I do this and wish this is a form of prayer. What Moses is doing is reminding God of his promises. 
Not to say that God forgot. God didn't. God forgets nothing. Okay, Moses is just speaking forth his faith, bringing into God's remembrance his promises, reminding God of his presence in the lives of the Israelites. And Moses is saying that, "Hey, Lord." Your fame has already spread among the pagan nations. They already know that you are leading your chosen people, the Israelites, by cloud and by fire. They already know that you have done so many miracles in their midst. If just of a sudden you kill all of them right here, they will take that incorrectly to say that it is because you were not able to bring them to the promised land, so you just killed them all in the wilderness. If you did that, it would not look good. Powerful. Don't you think God already knew that? Of course God knew that. But Moses reminded God about his promises, about his faith faithfulness, and as a result of this intercession, speaking forth God's promises as a way to remind him, we, we would see how God would answer that prayer. Likewise, like I said earlier, I pray like this in my own life. I remind the Lord of his promises in his word. Okay? It's like when I was fighting cancer, I would use scriptures and I would pray something like, God, your word says, that by the stripes of Jesus, I am already healed. Your word says that you are my healer. I am reminding you today of your word. I am letting you know that I am standing by your word. And I am expecting that because you are faithful, you will deliver me. Okay, I would pray like that all the time. And I still pray like that today. That is a powerful prayer of faith. Okay, and I really recommend that you do that. When you are going through a tough time, you remind the Lord of his promises. As you do that, you are speaking forth your faith and it really impresses God. God's blessings will manifest because you are standing in faith, being faithful to his word and God always, always blesses obedience. God always, always honors his word. It is not that God forgot or it is not that when you pray like that, then God will answer. No, when you pray like that, you just position yourself for the manifestation to be evident because you would be walking and praying a prayer of faith, which is what brings results. So that is exactly what Moses did here. And I recommend you do likewise. So let's look at the Lord's response. Verse 17. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. Again, just exactly what I was saying. Moses was telling the Lord, you have declared that you are powerful. You are with us. Let's see it. Okay. Verse 18. The Lord is uh, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Verse 19, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. Powerful prayer of intercession. 
remember, uh, reminding God of his promises. I love it. Okay, okay. Here we see Moses telling the Lord, you are a forgiving God. You are a loving God. Act in accordance with your character. Manifest yourself in accordance to your nature. Powerful. That is a prayer of faith. And God answers such prayers. Verse 20, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you ask. Nevertheless, I am now in verse 21. As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Verse 22, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Verse 23, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on earth to their ancestors. Powerful. God forgave them. God is just. <laughs> God is fair. Sin has to be punished. God has to punish sins. There is a law of God in operation here, which I have talked about a lot. Galatians 6. A man shall reap what he sows. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap in the flesh. If you sow in the spirit, you will reap in the spirit. Remember how I said earlier that the children of Israel were speaking death, that they wanted to die, they would have been better off dead in Egypt. Well, they're going to pay for that. So God is saying that I have forgiven them, but I will still punish them for their sins. And the Lord is already saying that all of these children of Israel who had seen his glory, who had seen his miracles, who, has, who had rather experienced his provisions, they will not get into the promised land. So we see how God accepted to forgive them. And as we will learn moving forward, the Lord would allow them to live for 40 more years instead of just killing them right there and there. By allowing them to live for 40 more years, the Lord would give enough time for their children to be raised and all of the ones who came out of Egypt would die in the wilderness. So this is God's judgment. So God forgave them, gave them 40 years to see their children grow up and then they would die. To me, this is mercy because God withheld the final judgment. Just like I said before, God did not change his mind when he, when he said he would kill them. When Moses prayed, God answered the prayer and God changed the outcome of his punishment. Instead of a final judgment right there and then, he allowed them 40 more years, but he said they would not see the promised land. I know I'm speaking ahead of myself, but I'm preparing you for where we are going with this story. And the Lord also said that they had disobeyed him 10 times. And we will go over those 10 times in a minute. But let's uh, come down to the end of uh, verse 25 here because this is significant. No one um, who has treated me with contempt will ever see it, referring to the promised land. But I am in verse 24. 
But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So we see the Lord saying that he acknowledges that Caleb acted in faith. Caleb was not a coward. So he will bring Caleb and his descendants to the promised land and they will inherit the blessings. And this prophecy actually will manifest when we go to the book of Joshua. Verse 25, since the, <laughs> since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out towards the desert along the route of the Red Sea. So God rerouted them. Again, this is the mercy of God because the Israelites were already fear-stricken. They had given up the Lord asked Moses to reroute them through a different route so they can avoid facing those giants um, there. Uh, that way, they would endure those 40 years <laughs> until their children are raised and then they would uh, meet with their, with their final destiny, which is death. But before I proceed to verse 26, let us pause and talk about the 10 times that the Israelites had disobeyed or tested the Lord like he said in uh, verse uh, 22 there. Let's go over the 10 times. That way I can give you some perspective. Num uh, the first time is that they showed no trust when they were crossing the Red Sea. Okay, again, I am going over the 10 times that the Lord said in verse 22 that the Israelites have tested him and he has made his final decision. So um, the first time uh, they exhibited no trust when crossing the Red Sea. That was discussed in Exodus chapter 14. The second time they complained about the bitter water at Mirah. That was discussed in Exodus chapter 15. The third time they tested him and disobeyed or complained was discussed in Exodus chapter 16 when they started complaining right away in the desert after they had been delivered from the Red Sea. The fourth time, we talked about that in Exodus chapter 16, when they were collecting more manna than the Lord had given them specific instructions to. Remember? Okay, the fifth time that they disobeyed and tested the Lord was when they were collecting manna during the Sabbath. That was discussed again in Exodus chapter 16, even though the Lord had told them not to. You see, the Lord remembers all things. <laughs> so if you are disobeying the Lord, he knows each time you lied. He knows each time you took a crooked path. Okay, uh, the sixth time, that the Israelites disobeyed the Lord. They complained about the water at uh, Rehadim. We discussed that in Exodus chapter 17. And the seventh time that the Israelites disobeyed the Lord, we discussed that extensively in Exodus chapter 32, uh, when they were practicing idolatry and created uh, the calf image that they worshipped. Remember, we talked about that. The eighth time that the Israelites tested the Lord, disobeyed him, was when they complained at Teberah. We discussed that in uh, Numbers chapter 11. Go back and reread Numbers chapter 11, all their complaints there. 
And then the ninth time is when they complained regarding food, okay? Uh, lusting for meat. We talked about that. Again, that was also discussed in Numbers chapter 11. And then the tenth time, the tenth time that the Israelites tested, disobeyed, and rejected the Lord was when they outrightly refused to proceed to the promised line, promised land rather, as we are discussing here in Numbers chapter 4, all, all their rebellious acts, the rebellion, the lack of trust, uh, the fear, that is the tenth time. So I wanted to bring that to your remembrance or to your attention, just in case you're wondering that what ten times is the Lord talking about? Those were the ten times that the Lord is referring to when he said the Israelites tested him, him ten times. So you can go back to the book of Exodus and, and review those. Okay, so now let us continue now. I am now in verse 26, still in, ex, uh, in uh, Numbers chapter 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, verse 28. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. There you go. You will eat your own words. So what is God saying here? The death sentence that the Israelites verbalized from their mouth, he would use their own words against them. We have to be careful what comes out of our mouth. Jesus teaches us that each of us will give an account of every idle word that we say. Words have power and the book of Proverbs teaches us life and death are in the tongue. We have to be careful what we say. Okay. And the book of James teaches us that we should learn to tame or exert self-control over our tongue meaning over what comes out of our mouth. Boy, I tell you, we should be slow to speak and quick to listen because what we say will come to haunt us. That is exactly what happened to these Israelites. Verse 29, in the wilderness, your bodies will fall. Uh-huh. They were saying that, oh, they should have uh, uh, died Instead of going to face the, the giants, the Lord is like, okay, well, you wanted to die in the wilderness. You will die then. I will give you what you are asking. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Verse 30, not one of you will enter the land I swore. And the Lord went on to say, all of them will die in the wilderness. Except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun, will leave. God honored the faith of Caleb and Joshua. And the Lord is like the rest of them will die right here in the wilderness. Because that is what they wanted. They're going to get it. Verse 31. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in, into enjoy the land you have rejected. You see, 
They were saying that, oh, if we go to the promised land, those giants will, will, will take our children and, and our wives as plunder. The Lord is like, okay, those children that you guys were talking about are the ones who are going to go enjoy the promised land. You yourself will die right here. Your children will be shepherded here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. Verse 34, for 40 years, this is powerful. Check this out. Verse 34, for 40 years, one year, for each of the 40 days you explore the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Wow. And the Lord went on to explain how they will meet their end here, that he has spoken, that is it. So, 40 years, because the spies went out for 40 days to spy the land, remember? So the Lord is like, okay, for 40 years, you guys will suffer until you die here, and your children will be raised to go overcome the land that you have rejected. They rejected God's blessings. They rejected God's promises. They rejected God's faithfulness. They wanted to die. They just said that thoughtlessly and it came to haunt them. Hmm. We have to be careful what we say. Okay. Again, just highlighting the power of free will. I know there are some of you who don't believe in free will, meaning that God has given each of us a choice. Even today, as believers in Jesus Christ, God has given each of us a choice to walk in his countless blessings, to receive his blessings as expressed in the Bible, prosperity in every area in our life, Prosperity in our relationships, in our career, prosperity in our souls, in our finances. Yet, many Christians reject God's blessings. How? Because they disobey God. They live in sin. They don't take God's word seriously and they suffer consequences. And today, it is not that God will strike you dead. You just won't have God's favor chase you. You just won't have God's blessings and provisions chase you. So you might have been delivered from uh, your sinful nature. You might have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you are dying as a Christian. You don't have the peace of God reigning in your soul. You are not walking in, in prosperity. You are having strife, bitterness, anger. Those are all forms of death because People reject God's blessings. People reject to do things God's way. And as a result, God, God would say, okay, if you want to do it your way, you go ahead. I will fold my arms and wait for you to come back to me. And people suffer needlessly. Friend, you would be wise to do it God's way. Okay? All right, let's pick this up now. The last few verses of this fascinating and powerful uh, chapter here. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who re 
returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it, these men were were, were killed, essentially. That is what these uh, verses are saying. The Lord struck them with a plague and they died. Verse 38, of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb survived. Okay. And now we come to verse 39. When Moses reported this to uh, all Israelites, they mourned bitterly, meaning that Moses went to tell the Israelite community about what the Lord had told him, that they would die in the wilderness, that for 40 years they will, they will suffer and their children will be raised. They mourned bitterly. Look at verse 40. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point <laughs> in the hill country, saying, Now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. Horrible. We see them now, after Moses had told them that God's final judgment will come upon them, now they are like, okay, we have sinned. We are ready to go up to the land to take it. They are doing this too late. Okay? And God knows they were not honest. They just said that deceitfully, again, speaking without thinking. And they are like, okay, now we have sinned. We're going to go do this. But it's too late. Look at verse 41. Moses said to them, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Verse 42, do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you and you will fail. You will fall by the sword. Powerful. So Moses is telling them that don't do this. Don't go. The, the Lord is not with you. If you go, you will not succeed. Again, powerful principle that when we do things on our own effort, without seeking counsel from God first, when we do things on our own effort, when we are in disobedience and we, we are not remorseful, we have not restored our relationship with the Lord. When we do that, God is not going to be with us. God is not going to bless us. God's favor, his protection, his power will not be with us. That's what Moses is saying. This is still applicable today. Just like I was saying. If you are walking and living in disobedience as a Christian, and then you are expecting God's power, his protection, his provision, and his presence to be with you, it won't. It won't. You have to stop and genuinely repent and restore fellowship with the Lord. That is what we see Moses telling them here. Okay? And the rest of those verses, verses 14 all the way to verse 45, went on to explain how in spite of Moses telling them not to go ahead to attack the enemy, they went anyway and they were defeated. They were, they were beat up. <laughs> okay. Again, just to show you that they were not genuinely remorseful. Oh my God, look at verse 45. I like that. Then the uh, uh, Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and attacked them, referring to those Israelites, and beat them down all the way to Homer. Again, 
God was not with them. Powerful, powerful chapter here out of the book of Numbers and powerful lessons we have learned from the Lord. Okay, so before we uh, move on here, let us uh, pause and take a look at some major principles we have learned from uh, chapters uh, 13 and 14. Principle number one, rejection of God. Okay, I talked about that, how the Israelites rejected God's uh, promise and his blessings. And we talked about the notion of free will. Essentially, they acted on their free will against God. All right. Principle number two, we learned about God's anger and his final judgment towards the Israelites and how they would suffer for 40 years and die in the desert because that is actually what they themselves had said. God just used their words to give it right back to them. Okay, so what is the major application here? I have already discussed this application, but let's just summarize everything. God has given each one of us a free will. And when we use our free will against the Lord, we have to be ready for the consequences. Like I said earlier, today, as New Testament believers, God is not going to strike us dead because he is dealing with us based on grace because of the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. However, we have an enemy that when we disobey God, our enemy, Satan, will come into our life to kill us, attack us, and destroy us. Because Jesus teaches us clearly out of the Gospel of John 10.10 uh, 10, that he came to give us life abundantly, exceedingly, until it overflows. But your enemy, Satan, the master thief, the master deceiver, is here to kill you, steal from you and destroy you and devour everything you have. So when you disobey God, you just open the door for your enemy to come into your life and kill you. So if you want God's blessings to chase you, you would be wise to use your free will for God, meaning that you use your free will and obey God, and then the blessings would just chase you effortlessly. This is no-brainer. This is all over the scriptures. Obedience fosters blessings. I, you, you get this, right? So th there is no need for me to even emphasize this. You have seen throughout these last two chapters how the Israelites disobeyed God and they paid major consequences. And like I said, again, we have to be careful how we receive information from people. We have to evaluate information in light of scripture and go by what the Bible teaches us and do not allow people's perceptions of events to affect us. We should focus on the Lord in spite of how insurmountable the problems are in our lives, we should focus on the solution, Jesus Christ, and not on the problems, okay? Nothing is impossible with God. And as New Testament believers, we are told God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That is out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. So, you do not have fear in your born-again spirit. 
You do not have to be defeated. You do not have to be crippled by fear or discouragement. Those emotions are never from God. They are either from the environment, listening to bad reports, and then you believe them just like the Israelites did. And because you believe a bad report, you are crippled with fear, and then your enemy, Satan, just takes advantage of that and he tortures you. That is never from God. You have to stand up in the name of Jesus and refuse to be afraid because God is with you. His spirit indwells you. So all scriptures, all scriptures are written to teach us a lesson and to teach us how to live righteously, okay, and to teach us how to live godly lives. So I am trusting that we can learn from the lessons in this chapter, that disobeying God always, always yield negative consequences. So if you truly want to live that blessed life that Jesus died for you, there is only one way. Abide in Christ moment by moment, like Jesus himself taught us in the Gospel of John. Okay, uh, uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 5. Abide in Christ, meaning that stay constant. Focusing on Christ, practice his teachings, look unto him as the solution for all of your problems, trust God. And as you do these things, the blessings of God will chase you. And I really hope that we can learn from these lessons. That way we don't give the enemy an inroad into our lives. So I just hope that in Jesus' name you receive this. And evaluate your perceptions. Evaluate your thinking processes. Okay? I hope you receive that in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for these powerful lessons that you have taught us out of these two chapters. We just pray for you to teach us how to walk in obedience, how to focus on the truths found in your word, We just believe by faith that you will strengthen us moment by moment through the Holy Spirit that indwells each of us. We desire to walk in obedience. We believe by faith as we do that, your blessings will chase us. You will be with us all the time. We will experience your presence in a tangible manner. We believe by faith as we obey you. We have your supernatural protection, guidance, and direction through your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Today is a day the Lord has made. So rejoice in it as you proceed with the rest of your day. I am Chris Horan. Goodbye.